Welcome to the PT Graduate Podcast. I'm Rich Ellis, and I interview people from the health and fitness industry to find out more about their role, get some inspiration, motivation, and also have an understanding of how to get into this industry, but not only get in, but stay in and flourish in this amazing industry. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the PT Graduate Podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to say my guest is Mr. Brown, Mr. Paul Brown, Mr. Retention. Welcome along, Paul, and uh, great to uh, connect with you. Thank you, Rich. It's great to join up with you and hi, everyone out there in um, video land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'll be a bit of video and there'll be a bit of um, a bit of audio. I usually share the, the YouTube link as well in the, in the show notes so people who really like the looking at our T-shirts, they can look at our T-shirts. <laughs> Um, so no, thank you, Paul. It's, it's, it's great to be able to connect. And I, and I have our mutual friend, Mr. Neil Shear, to, uh, to thank for introducing us and connecting us so that we could do this interview. So, Neil um, is a great guy, He'd been a good friend for a long time. And one of the few people I turned to for some advice when I started to go back into building and developing studios. Ah, I'd love to um, hear more about that. That'd be uh, good to talk a little bit more about the, the Mr. Attention side of things, because obviously that's probably what you're most well known for in this industry um how where, where you weren't always mr attention right so that must have started at a certain point how can you give us the backstory how you kind of where that came from well, not always mr attention i think all of our audience out there right now we greatly believe in health and fitness we greatly believe that life is better with exercise and without it uh and we know that most people don't do enough physical activity in their normal day so we bring that to them in a concentrated effort I, I was blessed to discover that when I was 16 years of age and I haven't missed a week of exercise since. I can honestly say in 41 years, I've never missed a week of exercise. Mm. But how many people do we hear of that joined a gym or a health club or a fitness center or some type of fitness regime, got off to a great start, but then things, the wheels fell off. Mm. It, unfortunately, it's the most prevailing story in the fitness industry. We've lost a lot more members than we've got. That's reality. Yeah. When I sold my first club, I want to go back when I let's say 27 years ago. Mm. A lot of club operators back then were reaching out to me saying, "Hey, you you did some great things in that club. We saw you on TV. We heard about your successes. Would you mind sharing some of your secret sauce with us?" And so I became a consultant by default. It wasn't my plan. I didn't ever use the word consultant. People just started introducing me as, "Hi, this is Paul Brown. He's a fitness consultant. Mm. He can help your business." Mm. Well, early on, I would get asked for marketing and sales, marketing and sales. Can you help us just sign up a few more members and our business will be great. If we could just market ourselves more effectively, things would be great. And what I discovered was these clubs were very good at marketing and sales. And yeah, I could probably teach them a thing or two, but I couldn't understand why businesses that I thought were looking so good from the outside were still hemorrhaging on the inside. Mm. And then, you know, we're talking 1995, I discovered that the biggest problem these clubs had wasn't marketing and it wasn't sales. It was keeping the members that they had. And uh, I did a study, probably the first of its kind um, of ex-members. Uh, we, we telemarketed or, or telephoned and interviewed thousands of ex-members of premier clubs in Sydney. And my job was to understand the truth behind the reasons people quit. Not the veneer, not that I was too busy, not that, you know, I didn't have the money, yeah. but why was something so important to these people one day and then not a priority the next? The learnings from that study made me realize that we could predict where our members would go wrong in the early stages. And we certainly found that the first 30 to 45 days was the major stumbling block to the majority of these people. 
So cut a long story short, I developed a program that came on the back of that called the face-to-face fitness system. It was an instant success. And that face-to-face system to this day is the core core operating procedure for a lot of large group scale clubs uh, to make sure when they sign up members that they stick with it. And somewhere along the way, uh, uh, during an interview of a magazine in America, the editor put on the front cover an interview with Mr. Retention. That was 15 years ago and the name stuck. And so every conference I've ever spoken at ever since. uh, And you know what? I thought, hey, it works. People like it. And it's an industry that needs help. So I'll just go around and be Mr. Retention. So there you go. That's how it all came about. But bottom line is I really should be called Mr. Exercise Adherence. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. But if you can get people to stick to exercise, whether you're a PT client, whether you're a group exercise boutique studio member, or whether you're a member of a big box, it's getting people addicted to the regular habit of exercise, to loving it, to being good at it, to the point they know the benefit far exceeds the cost. Mm. We do that with everybody. We don't lose anybody ever again. Mm, mm, mm. Brilliant. So, so where did that start for you? Like, how did you know where was that success in your original club? How did you know the, the things that you needed to do to be successful originally? Like, had you then, had you Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting my original club had all this in place. It did not. Okay. My original club was an amazing club. Uh, it's called Busy Bodies Fitness Center. And we had major competition come to town, try to destroy us. Yeah. We ended up destroying them. But it right. wasn't without a fight. It wasn't without some terrible dark days where we were wondering were we going to survive. Mm. And I definitely built better clubs once I got out of my own and had the bandwidth to look with a broader view at other people's businesses. It's so much easier from an outsider perspective to go, mm. I can see what's hot, I can see what's not. And if you'll trust me and let me put this process in place, we can plug all those leaks. So much easier to do when you're not embedded in the business on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So no, my first club wasn't the beginning of face-to-face fitness. It, well, it had the nucleus in many ways, mm. but the system was only developed when I had the clarity to see from further away what was needed. Yeah, and I guess that's the challenge all business owners have, isn't it? They're so busy doing the doing. They don't have A, the time, or B, the clarity that you just talked about to be able to look back and go, right, what do I need to do? Hence, needing someone like yourself to step in and, and support them. And yourself, Rich, you know, it's, it's that outsider coming in and going, you know, I'm not telling you it's all wrong, but I can see the 95 things you're doing great are mm. being held back by the five things you're not. And if you let us together address that, you become 100% successful. Mm-hmm. And is, so did, did that sort of that expansion of, of the brand of Mr. Retention then, did that spawn the speaking and the consulting um, did the consulting come first and then the speaking just came from that? No, the other way around. I was already speaking. My, my first club okay. was a huge success. We did a lot of things that were very, very edgy. Uh, and and I was invited to speak firstly here at Firelex in Australia. Actually, it wasn't called Firelex. It was Network back then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was already speaking as a club owner at major events here in Australia. And then right. still as a club owner, I was invited to speak at Erster in the United States. And then Erster took me on a global tour. So I, I was doing all that before I sold my club. Uh, and when I sold the club, suddenly this club owner slash speaker was a consultant. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, okay, okay. And you've travelled significantly. I mean, you, you've sp- spoken at all the all the big events um, in terms of health and fitness around the world, haven't you? You're you're, you're a well known face in all those. How do you keep it fresh? How do you? Because I mean, obviously, there are lots of ways of looking at retention, aren't there? But I get you know, keeping it fresh is an important part of that. 
Well, a lot of the people listening to this uh, podcast right now would themselves know that none of us have one single skill. We wear many hats. If you're a, if you're a personal trainer running your own individual business, you're also a salesperson, you're also a marketeer, uh, you know, you're also a health and safety officer. Uh, if you're a, if you have a physical box or a location, you're now a real estate manager, you know, you're a negotiator, there are many, many hats. So, yeah. so as, a, as a club owner, you know, I wore all those hats and, and then some. And so, you know, the, the, the way that I always kept it fresh was, I was always able to think of another angle, another challenge that I was facing myself and as I was consulting, I would come across more and more challenges. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't ever run away from a challenge. We would always look at it again with a broad view and go, right, there are many ways to deal with this. What's the most effective? And, and not everything we tried first time worked. You know, I've got, I've got two systems. I've got the one that has an amazing impact on client retention. And I've got another system of dismal failures. And right. we only got that system from trial and error. Yeah. We just don't go back to that one. We don't repeat those, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Learn from the, you learn from those things that you thought would instinctively make a difference, but for some frustrating reason or another, it didn't work the way you'd hoped. Mm. And then there are other things that just click and work immediately. You learn to repeat the magic. You learn to replicate the magic. And so same with speaking. You know, you look at the current challenges, the current trends, what's hot, what's not, and you try to make sure that you can just push two or three buttons that are relevant to the audience. And, uh, you know, if they like it, they invite you back. Yeah. Having an Aussie accent hasn't hurt either. I've spoken in over 36 countries, uh, and very often I need translators in English-speaking countries. <laughs> it's a good novelty factor. It um, is. I saw, when I was doing a bit of uh, stalking, um, I saw a photograph of, a, I don't know where it was, a keynote that you gave, where you, you were on stage with the treadmill, front and centre, I thought, my God, there's a bit of preparation that's gone into this. You don't just turn up with a laptop when you when you miss the retention. Where was that? Uh, well, I've done that a, a few times. I think I'm still the only keynote speaker in the world that has actually not walked their talk but run their talk. Right. Uh, now, that was a, a crazy idea that I had and it worked. The first time I did it was for the Energy Fitness Group in England. Uh, yeah. I want to say it was Milton Keynes. Oh, yeah. I've done it in Taiwan. I've done it here in Australia. It's right. It, it, it's a powerful message and I, I won't go into the details of that. Our audience want to hear about their yeah. business tips and we can help them with success. Yeah. But I'll simply say this, you need the audience to want to listen to what you're talking about. And yeah. sometimes you need to grab their attention with a novelty or some type of, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And delivering a keynote from a treadmill certainly falls into that category. <laughs> so was it running the whole time? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Outstanding. You, you yeah. have had to practice that, I imagine. You know, if you stay fit, I guess that's not a big, big step. Well, that, that was part of the message was that, you know, we have to walk our talk or run yeah. our talk in that case. But yeah. probably the other element of that message was it's about time. You know, you, mm. you, you will have clients who will always have a reason to not train. Yeah. Find the time. The start of that keynote is me being introduced and pretending I didn't realize I was on stage yet. I had my kit ready to go and do a workout okay. and I'm being called on stage to do a talk. I'm like, no, I'm about to go for a run. Nice. And just so happens to be a sponsor's treadmill on stage. So, <laughs> so I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If I can use that, I'll talk to your people. Brilliant. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say. And this is what you trainers out there need to remember. There is no justifiable reason to be inactive. All right. Mm. Tell me you've got a sore ankle, we'll work the other three limbs. Mm. Now, tell me you've got a headache, we'll find a way around it. Tell me your back is sore, we'll find a way around it. Mm. There is no justifiable reason short of not having a pulse to exercise. Absolutely. You, 
Don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can. And being time poor is one of the greatest barriers that our clients use to prevent them from fulfilling their health and fitness goals. Mm. So it's about time. It's about time we do it now. We have to make the most efficient use of that time. And there is no justifiable reason that we should skip. Yeah, and we all strongly believe that in this industry because we know it's possible. It's just helping our clients understand that. Get It's the mindset, isn't it? It's getting it is the mindset. mindset. That's what yeah. it all boils down to. If you go in with the intent of saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you get fit, and I won't let you get in the way of that. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Um, so you've uh, recently opened your own facility again. You mentioned before, and you've got your beautiful uh, Paradise Fitness T-shirt on today uh, because it's in um, in Paradise Point. Is that right? Yeah, but but Rich, if it wasn't in Paradise Point, I'd still call it Paradise Fitness. That's <laughs> great. Seriously, the, the the studio that we've built, uh, look, it's 120 square meters, or for our friends around the world, let's call that 1,200 square feet. It's not mm. a big space mm. whatsoever. Yeah. Used to be the offices of my face-to-face business before COVID. Ah, right. I didn't need the big team anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I leased the office space out for a little while, but then my son really has a great aspiration in the world of sports and fitness, and uh, I couldn't think of a better better apprentice, and I needed a place where I could give him the chance to experience the very best of fitness. I didn't want to put him in some two-bit club that didn't care about their staff or their members. I didn't want him to fall into some contracting relationship where he was nameless and faithless. I mm. wanted him to be somewhere where he could really experience the highest level of standards. And to me, that's paradise. That mm. is that is utopia. That yeah. is any member who goes there feels like it is, it is their ultimate dream place to be trained and to train. And that's why it's called Paradise Fitness. And I will build these clubs in towns that definitely aren't paradise, but are great places to keep healthy and fit. Yeah, I see um, from the photos I've had a look at, it looks very, uh very well thought out in terms of layout um, you've got multiple people in there you've got these stations you've got things fixed to the wall which are very precise so that they're maximizing the space that they're in relatively small maximizing that space to get the best uh, best workout possible so i couldn't see 360 degrees but it gave me a, i like the mural as well that sort of uh, natural feeling on the on the wall of you know looking into like a, a jungle type space and, and um, audience yeah. going, i have no idea uh, what it's here, we about. here we are they're going to watch oh, the youtube now, aren't they Oh, there it is. Paradise Fitness. Awesome. Only 100 square meters of workout space. And then we have this small studio yeah. office here that I'm in yeah. where we do our face-to-face because I'm, I'm still mad keen on our face-to-face fitness systems. We just yeah. do it here in our, our office. I just had a client just before this call. Cool. Uh, and you're right. Look, again, with a small space, I believe this studio can offer more variety of workouts than mm. clubs five times the size. Right, and I mean that. That's not a that's not a false claim. I generally mean that. We literally have hundreds and hundreds of different exercise options, maybe thousands. We'll we'll probably never run out of ideas because we design clever usage, as you said, of a very confined space. I can't make a bigger club in the office space I have, so I have to make the world's most versatile club. It is the Swiss Army knife of health and fitness centers. <laughs> that's a beautiful way of explaining it. And I guess um, that it, you were hinting at other other locations. So is this uh, a formula that you're then going to replicate? Yeah, look, we have to get proof of concept first. You know, yeah. it's really easy to brazenly make all these claims, but mm. I, I believe we're onto something. Uh, I, I, you know, I've done this for so long. I've seen yeah. so many different workout models and studios. So mm. this is the best of all those great ideas and a few of my own mm. and the best of my own of my sons and, and our team. We've got a great team working here. Mm. We might be able to create something that's actually worth replicating. And that, that's, that's definitely on the cards. 
whether we do it uh, as more studios, whether we drop this into partner clubs like bigger clubs that want to provide a, a, a boutique experience as well. There, there are many ways we could do this, mm. or we might just be a mum and pup gym that has one little studio five minutes from home and live a happy, comfortable life and have, you know, some very happy members who love to see us on a daily basis. Any one of those futures is great with me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see yourself doing all the air miles again? Like I know you've oh, no. travelled significantly. No, 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 no way. I did over a million air miles and yeah. COVID, COVID showed me what an absent father I had been. Uh, COVID showed me what an absent husband I had been. Yeah. And I've had the, I've had the chance to look in the mirror and say that all the bragging rights of visiting all those wonderful countries doesn't marry up to being able to say I'm a good dad and I'm a good husband. Yeah. And my priorities are different now. I've seen the world. I've spoken to the world. The world wants to know me. They can come to me. Fantastic. I guess that would be that would be a good opportunity for them to come and see your model. But at the same time, you could consult online, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it right now. Yes. Yeah. The world yep. has changed tremendously. Any yep. trainer that's not using Zoom or an equivalent. I mean, I was on GoTo meetings years ago doing face-to-face mm. -face courses when I couldn't travel. Um, you know, there were definitely times we couldn't get to a destination more because of what was happening there than here. I'll give you a good example. One of the groups we work with uh, is in Chile, uh, Santiago, Chile, the capital mm. there. Lovely place, amazing to visit. But they had some social disruption a few years back. So we, we, we did online training. We used GoToMeeting uh, and we were able to keep our teams motivated and inspired uh, without hopping on an aeroplane. Uh, when COVID came along, the rest of the world kind of cottoned onto that. Yeah. Now it's commonplace. So as I say, it used to be that if you did it dialing in, you were seen to be dumbing it down. Now it's actually been the smarter way. It's, it's, yeah. it's the clever way to express your opinions and to share ideas without the wastage, and I mean wastage, of travel time yeah. uh, and without the expense of travel mm, as well mm, and the mm. risk of being away from home for so long as well. So yeah, there's and definite benefits in communicating like this. And probably environmentally friendly as well from an eco point of view, if that's your thing. Yeah. It's many boxes. Yeah. Many yeah. Boxes. Well, how, how about some, um, some, some tips, Paul, that uh, maybe the things that you probably see most commonly that might, be, might relate a, a to, I guess, small, medium-sized facilities, which PTs would probably run as well, or um, and things that might relate to an individual PT business as well. What, what would be the common things that could nice, you know, quick fixes that people probably are missing? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm a little reticent to to suggest that anything I know about training that our audience doesn't already know. Sure. Very smart people out there and they've had lots of wins and losses themselves. Yeah. What I would like to suggest is maybe I can reinforce some of the things that I've discovered. Because if I can just put some context, when I sold my last club uh, in 1995, uh, I did own a club briefly in Utah or part owner of a club in Utah, but really take that out of the equation, that brief experience when I lived in Utah for a little bit. Mm. Um, I haven't been on the floor, on the tools for 25 years. I have been running training courses with instructors and training people and writing systems and developing programs. I've done all of that. Mm. To actually come in and have to open the door at 4.45 in the morning and turn the lights on and get the music queued up and, and greet the people on their arrival and listen to their stories about the rough night they had with the kids that wouldn't sleep and all that, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a real challenging experience. And to come full circle and go back into that is incredibly humbling. It's very rewarding, mm. but it's incredibly humbling. And it reminds me that there are some trainers out there who've done more hours than me at this very thing that should sure. be telling me what to do, not the other way around. Sure, okay. But, but I will simply say that without doubt, this studio has reminded me of how important relationships are. 
and, and yeah, it, it's cliche, but if everything's everything is driven by relationships. If you use your human energy to feel what people are really going through, if you if you shut up about what's in it for me and listen to what's in it for them, and really, if your intent, if your place of coming into this relationship is about giving, not about receiving, when when all that is right, everything else falls into place. They'll tell you what you need to do to be better. They'll tell you what you're doing well, and they'll tell you if there's something missing. You just have to be willing to listen from their perspective because I, I come here every day to serve them. I've been served. My, my cup is full. Uh, I've got the most blessed life. How can I now give everything I've ever been given back to these people? If you come into the workplace with that attitude, failure just can't even enter the realm, all right? So relationships, number one. Mm. Uh, and then the second thing is I, I do believe whether it's one business or a 1,000, you should systemize your good things. You should replicate your magic as if you do plan to own 100 clubs, even if you're only going to be that one mum and pop gym where it's just you and your local community, organize it and systemize it in a way that you could walk out tomorrow and someone could walk in and take over. Why? Because if you don't have a plan, you can go anywhere. If you don't have a plan, you can stray off track. You can forget and you can lose sight of the things that made you great at one point. We're really good at meandering because of boredom or just the, the need to change things up. Yep. yep. So, so I would say, number one, come into it with the right intent and really build relationships. But then don't do it ad hoc. Systemize, replicate the magic, record, plan, and replicate the things that make you great and let people know you do it that way so they know that if everything fell off and you weren't here tomorrow, the business would still go on because there's a systemized plan that the next person could walk in and pick up where you left off. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant um, meaning in terms of the business. And, and I think um, having those sorts of processes in place are generally missing because we're one man bands if we're PTs. And we don't assume that we're going to be sick. But if you have, if you want a holiday or if you, if you do get sick and you've got a mate who can fill in for you, how the hell are they going to know what to do? Um, and, if, and if you do want to replicate the business in other locations, there's your operations manual, manual right? Ready, ready to go. Yeah. Um, I know, I sorry. On this one note. Yeah, yeah. Every business should have an exit plan, right? There mm. should be an exit strategy. And... An exit strategy doesn't necessarily mean you plan to quit or you plan to escape. But if a new opportunity came your way, could you sell what you've created? Could you either, if you're a one-off PT, could you sell your client base? Mm. If you have a team, could you sell your client base and the, and the systems that the team run? If you have a physical business, could you sell the premises or, or the lease that you have on that premises with the goodwill that comes with it? The value of that will be very dependent on whether that loyalty will stay when you leave. Yeah. So you can't have people saying, I'm only here because of you, and the moment you leave, I'm gone too. You have nothing to sell. Mm. You have nothing to sell. You are now the biggest liability in the business. Yeah, yeah. There are some things that you do that you've kind of transferred over from your retention work to what you're doing in your business now. And I noticed in one of your posts, you were talking about doing some client reviews or was it 12 weeks or, or, or some, some, some trigger that, that, in it, that got some of those processes going. Those, those are probably some really important things people should have in their businesses automatically, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Remember my face-to-face -face retention system, which was started in 1995, it had 
25 years of evolution to get to where we are right now. Sure. And right now it's going through a whole new evolution. Yeah. Now this studio is not just to serve my, my, my local needs, but I've got face-to-face -face clients around the world that will benefit from what we learn in this very room. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get better and better at doing it, using digital technology, better ways of communicating, um, better ways of anticipating. So yes, you're absolutely right. Um, a big part of this studio business is we guarantee results. Absolutely, always have in face-to-face. -to, -face. Yeah. to guarantee results, you have to know where someone's starting, where they wanna to get to, and whether they're getting closer. Mm. Where are you now? Mm. Where do you wanna be? Let's close that gap. Mm. And the only way to know if the gap is closing is to go back and revisit where they started from. Yeah. And like literally just before this call, I had, had a beautiful young lady sitting right next to me who gave herself a score in self-esteem of four out of 10. Okay. Now, who can say they love their life, which is our catchphrase, love your life, Oh, Who yeah. can say they love their life if their own self-worth is 40%? Yeah. Nobody. You'd be amazed how many clients you've got that feel that way. So it's very important for us to say, where are you now? Where do you feel in your life? Not just physically, but mm. emotionally and psychologically. You've got to be able to benchmark that and you've got to be able to quantify it. And then you've got to link that to what we're going to do about it. And then you're going to go back later and say, Hey, I don't know if you remember, but there was a young lady who came in about six weeks ago who gave herself a four out of 10 for self-esteem. Is that young lady still here? <laughs> or have we got a new young lady here? Yeah. Yep. And when you can show them the difference between how they felt about themselves then and how they feel about themselves now, and try to put a monetary value on that, mm -hmm. that far exceeds anything you've asked for your services. Absolutely, yeah. And if you're not doing it, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what business are you in? If it's not that, what is it? It's that was the French, but I no, no, no. I think the French was required at that very point. Um, I, I, I did a blog the other day, Paul, which was called Silent Successes, and um, and it was all about that same thing. There are so many things that our clients are, I guess, moving forward on. There's the physical, obvious stuff, but there's all that psychological and spiritual stuff that you talk about as well. If we don't stop and actually talk about it, how do we know how far we've come? And it's that's exactly your point. Um, and we forget, we forget who we were. Yeah. yeah and yeah. wouldn't it be terrible if we achieved something, didn't recognize that, only use the scales or some other yeah. physical pass or fail score mm. that put us off, and then we go back to being who we were originally? What a tragic loss yeah. that would be. I love it. And obviously there are lots of other things that you do as well, but I think that brings that human element and it builds on the relationship that you talked about at the beginning. You know, you have to sit down, you care about the person, you want to know what their score is and you're really interested in helping them finish that journey and get to that, that next milestone or whatever it may be. Yep. Why, why would they leave? No one would leave if they someone's that interested in them and their life and not just the training side of things, but them as a human being. Again, yeah. you know, no one's ever going to look the way they want to look. They'll always find fault. But if you can make people love the way they feel, uh, and if you make people self-accept and, and have realistic goals, that the health will come. You know, losing a bit of body fat's not a bad thing if you're carrying too much. Let's agree mm. on that. Mm. But but they come for vanity. They stay for how they feel and their health. That's that's how we work it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, you've dropped some beautiful, uh, beautiful hints and tips in there all the way through. And um, I think you've also left room for people to kind of add their own flavor to it without um, giving us too much of your IP. So I really appreciate that. Um, sometimes I remember to ask this question and sometimes I don't, but today I have. So is there a question that I haven't asked that I should have? 
Yeah, a thermos keeps things hot and it keeps things cold. How does it know when to do <laughs> Don't you wonder that? All, all the time. I just don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, we could be here for days and days yeah. and days. So look, I, I just want to make sure that the people out there remember the reason you chose this career. Let's be honest. The reason you chose this career was to make a difference. That's the number one answer I get worldwide. It's, it's what I say to myself every day I go to work, make a difference. Just make sure the people you're working with know that is your intent, that mm. that's where you're coming from. Don't be afraid to make that very clear. Uh, and, and yeah, the more you zoom in and zero in on how they look and think and feel and say, I understand, I'm here to help, you're in, in the right hands, but always let me know how we're doing. And, and the deeper you can get into connecting with that person, it's hard to do in a big box club. That's why my, my next studio was not going to be 15,000 square feet or more. Because when you get to that scale, you, you cannot have this level of personal interaction. And anyone trying to sell you software right now that says artificial intelligence will do the, will do the job, just repeat back to them what they said: artificial intelligence. This is the real deal, yeah. right here, yeah. right here. Connect, okay? Don't don't let artificial flavors, coloring, or intelligence muddy the life that you're trying to create. Mm. Be real. Mm. Brilliant. Fantastic indeed. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate your gems and I appreciate your time. It's been great chatting and I hope we get a chance to um, catch up and do a second version some other time. In my honour, sir. Thank you very much. I wish everyone out there the best of success and health. Cheers. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of The PT Graduate. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating and hit the subscribe button. And I'd love it for you to share with your friends and colleagues so they can listen too. Cheers for now.